It's not a stretch at all to say that today's world is charged and divided. We see areas of division in in every facet of life, from politics to economics to to racial issues and and, and social issues. It's in our neighborhoods, our, our schools, our workplaces, our families, our church. So what are we supposed to do with this divided world? What do we do when so much of our world is on edge? How do we faithfully follow Jesus in an age of amplified outrage? Over the next few months, we're going to spend time as a church looking at ways we can be what the Apostle Paul refers to as ambassadors of reconciliation in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our communities. Simply put, in order to do that, we we have to learn to, to be comfortable stepping into uncomfortable spaces. But we can't hide from difficult conversations. And now as we enter this conversation, as we enter this, this sermon series, I want to give a couple of, of quick kind of off-the-cuff co- off comments. Some of you are going to want to tune out during this series. It's so much easier sometimes to just close our eyes or, or cover our ears and not listen than it is to engage. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to step outside of your comfort zone, even if it is just for a little bit. Now, for some of us during the series, I'm not going to say enough. And, and, and for others, I'm going to say too much. I'm going to cross a line that, that for whatever reason, you don't think a pastor should cross. But here's what I can commit to you during this series. I'm going to talk about politics, but, but I'm not going to tell you how to vote or, or who to vote for. I am going to talk about race, but, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm any sort of expert because I most certainly am not. And I have a lot of learning and growth to do myself. I, I am going to focus on scripture and what the Bible has to say about loving our neighbors, about justice, about being involved in the public sphere and about talking with those with whom we disagree. Now, I'm going to ask us during the series to show grace to one another and to other people as well, and, and to learn to be uncomfortable, even if it is, again, just, just a little uncomfortable. So in the Sermon on the Mount that we mentioned a little bit earlier, Jesus talks about living together in community quite a bit, about celebrating and mourning together, about loving our enemies, and, and about working for peace. And, and toward the end of that sermon... In the passage that I read earlier, he talks about judging others and admitting our own shortcomings. He says this. Remember, we already read it, but he says this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's a call for Jesus' followers to know our place, to be aware of ourselves, to be self-aware, and to own our, our prejudices and, and the way that we, we tend to stereotype others, and to be careful with what we assume. Now, he's not telling us to abandon our brains or that we, we shouldn't have high standards for, for our behavior or for, for others at all. And he's not asking us to surrender our own thoughts, not at all, but he is making sure 
we know that our own thoughts, our own perspectives, that, that they are fallible, that we are fallible. We don't get to pretend that we know God's verdict on other people's lives, their choices or, or how they live. It's not our place. We don't get to play God. So Jesus puts an explanation point on, on that warning by, by ending that sentence with, however you judge others will be measured to you. It's the same word that he uses earlier in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be measured or will be given to you. If you're going to judge others, you're going to be held to the same standards. It's as much a call to sympathy as, as it is a warning against judgment. And then Jesus gets to this illustration about hypocrisy, where he talks about pointing out the specks of sawdust in the eyes of others while having this, this giant plank sticking out of our own eye. Now, we never really read about Jesus explicitly laughing in Scripture, but it's, it's hard to picture him using this illustration in his sermon with a straight face. The image of someone walking around with a beam of wood sticking out of their eye was as ridiculous then as it is today. But it drove home a really important point. We undervalue our own faults and overvalue the magnitude of others all the time. We build mountains out of molehills while conveniently forgetting to look in the mirror. And after using this, this kind of sarcastic example, Jesus turns to one that's a, a bit more confusing. He, he says this. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It, it almost appears that right after telling his followers to not judge others, he invites them to make a judgment. Some people are dogs. Others are, are pigs. And some things are precious pearls. And, and here is where when we, we turn to Scripture, that context is so incredibly important. In Jesus' day and to his Jewish community, the, the phrase dog was an inflammatory name for a Gentile. And, and pigs, they, they, were, they were dirty animals. So they were, they were dirty people. The pearl that he's referring to is the gospel message. And Jesus' first disciples, those who, who were listening, they were charged with taking that pearl, the gospel message, into the synagogues, into the Jewish community. It wasn't until after his crucifixion and resurrection that the gospel was to be embraced and spread through the entire world. In the middle of calling his followers to be careful with their, their judgment, he's, he's also asking them to discern what they should do with what they have been given. If they're spending all their time judging others and, and being critical, that they're throwing pearls, using this precious resource that they've been given, they're throwing pearls to swine. Now, a parallel in today's world would be a pushy or aggressive evangelist or, or pastor trying to argue a point with someone and going back and forth, and that other person wasn't listening at all. And, and this evangelist would get louder and louder and louder with more energy and more emotion 
And as they do so, they, they really do more harm than good to the listener. Now, there's a, a scene in, in one of the early Star Trek TV shows from, from the original series where, where Captain Kirk and his good friend Spock, they find themselves in a place where they, they often found themselves on this, this remote planet. And this time they're, they're trapped behind an invisible force field. Now, their friend from the USS Enterprise is outside the force field, and, and he's getting beaten up by all kinds of, of bad guys. No matter what Spock did, no matter what Captain Kirk did, they couldn't break through this invisible barricade to go and help their friends. And Captain Kirk, you can see his blood begin to boil. He's getting angrier and angrier. He starts pounding on these invisible walls of this barrier to, to get out. And in the middle of his outrage, the always calm Spock, who's just wired that way, says this. He says, perhaps there is something we can do, Captain, but I believe it may not be exactly in the way that you are thinking. And the impatient Kirk, he shouts, well, what is it? What is it, Spock? Calm Spock. Well, Captain, this force field stopping us may be a result of the wild emotional energy you are generating. It appears the angrier you get, the thicker the wall becomes. Perhaps if you relaxed, the wall might weaken. Put your emotions aside. Enter a clear state of mind. So, so Kirk relaxes and, and the barriers fall. Sometimes it's incredibly hard to take a step back and to not allow our emotions to get the best of us. It's counterintuitive to not argue. It's countercultural to, to listen to the other person, to not always have to be right. But as followers of Christ, we have to learn to step into uncomfortable spaces with a clear, calm state of mind. In his second letter to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul actually says that, that if we're out of our mind, followers of Jesus, if we act differently, as some in the popular culture of Paul's days would have claimed, it's because Christ's love is compelling us out of Christ's love. And then he writes this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, I, I want us to, to hear this. Followers of Jesus have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been called to the uncomfortable spaces of society, to sit, to listen, to work toward restoration and reparation, reconciliation. To be, as Jesus says in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed because we are actively involved in the work of peacemaking in a divided world. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. 
be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the name of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So throughout this series, I'm going to come back to the image of two chairs facing one another. And I want to invite us to picture ourselves sitting in one of those chairs and in the other chair to see someone who who pictures the world, who has a different worldview than we do. Maybe you're sitting in the chair and you're a Republican and the person in the other chair is a Democrat. Maybe you're adamant and you're sitting in this chair and you're adamant that structural racism exists and is tearing our world apart. And the person in the other chair doesn't think it exists. Maybe you think we should talk more and more about social issues in the church. And the other person thinks the church isn't the place for those conversations. Maybe you think we're being too cautious as we respond to the coronavirus. And maybe the other person thinks we're not doing enough. Maybe you're a Christian in this chair, and maybe the person in the other chair doesn't share your belief system. The call that Paul gives to be an ambassador for Christ that we read about in 2 Corinthians is the call to pull up a chair into those uncomfortable spaces, to engage those uncomfortable conversations. It's the invitation to love our neighbors and and one another, listen to them without pointing out the speck in their eye while ignoring the massive plank in our own, even when we adamantly disagree with one another. And so my hope for us during this series is that, that we would, would learn and wrestle with what it means to be a church that does the uncomfortable work of being active peacemakers, working toward reconciliation in today's charged and outraged and divided world. Amen.